one month now since the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. Of course, today, an emergency meeting of NATO allies in Brussels. Just a short time ago, the Prime Minister, Prime Minister Trudeau, emerged from that NATO meeting and had this to say about Canada's commitment to NATO and defense spending. Have a listen. Uh, Over the past number of years, we've put forward ambitious increases in spending uh, for NATO as part of our strong, secure, engaged uh, commitment of a few years ago. Uh, We continue to step up in our capabilities and our commitment uh, to NATO in Central and Eastern Europe and uh, elsewhere around the world. And we will continue to be increasing our defense spending. Irvin Student is founder of the Global Brief magazine, president of the Institute for 21st Century Questions. His new ebook, available now, is entitled Canada Must Think for Itself. And he joins us now for more on this. Irvin, good afternoon. Appreciate your time as always. Good to be with you again, Jeff. All right. One month, as I mentioned off the top, since the invasion of Ukraine. Can you maybe just first of all give us uh, some insight as to uh, where uh, we are currently uh, right now and uh, what we've seen over the last uh, month? Uh, the war continues to grind on. I think we're purely in a in a on the ground military dynamic, notwithstanding the information war on both sides and and Twitter fair and Facebook fair. And the political rhetoric, it is very much a ground game and lots of people dying military first on um, on both sides and then civilians. And it is city by city, street by street. So it's difficult to have an overall picture. The Russians have an overwhelming advantage in terms of assets, but their losses are very significant. And the Ukrainians want it more. Now, the question is, what type of political settlement can end this thing? And that's where the rubber hits the road. And it's not obvious. So we can talk about that. Yeah, let's talk a bit about this emergency meeting of uh, NATO. Uh, I know U.S. President Biden, uh, just speaking moments ago, just heard a clip there of our Prime Minister uh, Justin Trudeau and Ukrainian President Zelensky uh, asking uh, NATO today for effective and unrestricted support, in his words. Uh, Do we know what that uh, might look like and what the next steps might be to end possibly the fighting in Ukraine? I do not think there is a military end to the conflict in sight. It will have to be a series of political settlements and then iterated through a balance of forces on the ground and possibly through an outside intervention by peacekeepers, which is difficult to negotiate. Other than that, we can help to uh, change the balance of military forces through supplying some weapons, in some cases surreptitiously, some cases overtly. There will be obviously humanitarian uh, help that we can provide and where we really need to step up even more than we have. There'll be financial support, uh, rhetorical support, political support, pressure on Russia. But in the end, as I've mentioned on your distinguished show, it will need to be a solution that props up both countries to leave them whole, uh, to leave them sovereign, and so that they can be going concerns for the foreseeable future. Yeah, Irvin, uh, President Zelensky uh, is asking also for weaponry, uh, tanks, uh, planes, that sort of thing. Is he likely, do you think, to get that from NATO? He might. He might from certain countries that are that are more willing than others. But I don't think it will be uh, a significant insertion of, of NATO weaponry for the reasons we, we've articulated. As countries don't want to go frontally uh, against Russia in terms of warfare in a way that might expand this beyond what is already a large-scale war and, God forbid, bleed it into European countries. 
Um, but he certainly might, and he's uh, right to ask. He's the president of Ukraine, so he's pushing uh, his country's interests. Our interest on the Canadian side is to have in the end a sovereign Ukraine, a sovereign Russia, and a peaceful Europe. So we need to uh, push for that more than we should f- uh, for an ultimate win or a devastating win by, by either side over the other. All right, we're getting reports that uh, more sanctions are coming out of this uh, meeting from NATO. And just wondering, uh, from your perspective, Irvin, a month uh, later, uh, are these sanctions, which we've seen escalating sanctions more and more with uh, every week uh, that's uh, passing here, is there really tangible proof now that this is working, these uh, sanctions, that it's affecting not only the people of uh, Russia, but is getting to uh, the decision makers in Vladimir Putin? I think the original burst of sanctions would have had a, a, a very strong felt effect on both the Russian leadership and certainly the people, and the people would continue to, to feel the, the additional sanctions, but at the margins there are diminishing returns for the West and for Ukraine uh, through additional sanctions, much as we may parade them for ourselves. The Russians would be operating, I guess, on different planes. The decision-making plane vis-a-vis the war now is an existential one. I think the leadership there imagines it as a historic battle for Russia, for the Russian nation, for Russian identity, for the survival of the Russian state as they see it. Uh, we would might be thinking about on an economic plane, and that is a different level of rationality and a subordinate one for the Russians. The Russians, the economy is less important than this, this spiritual sense of, of, of the, the mission of this particular leadership as it were. So I think uh, we need to up our, up, up our imagination to, to that spiritual one and, and find an, uh, an agreement that suits all sides that is at that level, because the economic one will have diminishing returns and is less impressive over time. Canada, of course, has certainly been active when it comes to these sanctions, but what do you make a, a month later of our country's contribution so far, Irvin? Just heard the Prime Minister off the top of our uh, conversation coming out of that meeting reaffirming Canada's commitment to NATO and also uh, promising, uh, once again, increased spending, uh, defense spending. Again, a month later in relation to the invasion of Ukraine, how has Canada done so far in their contribution and what do you think we can expect next from our country? As always, it's, it's, it's not too bad, not great. Um, we make two cardinal mistakes in our foreign policy and, and in, in the Ukrainian question is always uh, front and center. First of all, we turn everything into a morality play. This is obviously one of clear morals. The Russians are in, in, in the wrong in, in invading, but for our own interests, and that is the, the, the first lens to which we must see it, it is less a morality play and one in which we must actually keep both the wrong country and the right country stable, so Ukraine and Russia. The second is we have a wonderful Ukrainian diaspora. It is, is one of the biggest in the world. It's smaller, by the way, than Poland's, but, but one of the biggest in the world. It is, is an impressive, uh, wonderful part of our citizenry. But in my view, it is irrelevant to our positioning on, on international conflicts. We have to do things that are coldly in the Canadian interest, and the Canadian interest should not respond to, to diasporic interests or any interests domestically other than the one that's felt to be a national one. In that sense, we understand our mental map incorrectly. Russia is not to the east of Ukraine. It is immediately northward of us. So there are two Arctic giants, and we're going to have to find uh, um, a peaceable equilibrium long-term with the Russians through the north more than through the east. So we have to calculate a little bit more intelligently. On the human side, we have a, a, a debt, a human debt to, to the Ukrainian population, humanitarian, 
in humanitarian terms, and we could be much more aggressive, much more ample in evacuating, helping, uh, helping refugees, putting kids back in school with, with great speed. There are other smaller countries, some closer to Ukraine, that have been much more active. And they've talked less than us, but they've been much more scalable in their in their in their efforts. So I'd like to see much more work on that. Final point is on diplomacy. We're not a key part of the diplomatic solution. It is an Asian solution, as even the Americans are beginning to understand. We must push for that. So we must get the Chinese involved, the Indians, and the Israelis primarily. All right. Just finally, I wanted to ask you, uh, Irvin, about the perception of Canada on the world stage as it currently stands uh, right now, because also part of the narrative today and making a lot of headlines is our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, uh, being called out by members of the European Parliament, particularly when it comes to uh, COVID and the response they've seen here in Canada. As a matter of fact, uh, one member of the uh, European Parliament said, quote, the methods we have witnessed may be liberal to you, that being our uh, Prime Minister, but to many citizens around the world, it seemed like a dictatorship of the worst kind. Uh, again, how is Canada being perceived uh, right now? And by the way, that was just not one uh, European parliamentary member, but uh, several that made comments along those lines. How is Canada's current standing, do you think, on the world stage? Well, before the pandemic, we had uh, minor standing on the world stage. We were not very activists. In my view, we were increasingly vassalized to the United States. Post-pandemic, if we imagine that we're there to show the world what a democracy looks like, the Europeans are patently correct in critiquing their say who are you guys to tell us how you lived you lived miserably and largely undemocratically over the last two years apart from elections most of our institutions were uh broken or highly um wanting over the last couple of years the judiciary the media the the, the parliamentary the political class the civil service the professions were all underperforming so the europeans will look at us and say all of a sudden the prime minister comes out uh, beyond the borders after two years of, of of large insulation and is there to tell us what the democratic uh, seduction is. And, and they were right to say, well, uh, you don't have many legs on which to stand. And the Prime Minister, therefore, should be, first of all, humble. And secondly, you should say it's not necessarily democracy versus non- non-democratic conflict. It is a conflict about European stability between two neighboring countries, one in the wrong and invading, both both needing to survive. And we have practical solutions to offer that are not necessarily wrapped up in a democratic integument because we haven't lived that democratic integument uh, with great honor over the last two years. All right. I got to leave it there for now. But Irvin, really appreciate the time as always. And of course, uh, your insight. Appreciate this. And we will uh, talk again soon, I'm sure. Thanks, Jeff. Be well. Irvin Student is founder of Global Brief Magazine, president of the Institute for 21st Century Questions. And again, his new ebook, you can read it. It's available now entitled Canada Must Think for Itself. And we're back after this here on the Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.